Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for being here this week. Really appreciate it. Another great week. I am interviewing Stephanie Wang. Now, Stephanie think you're going to, to really enjoy hearing from her, uh, really impressed by, by talking with her. She is an author. She wrote a book about uh, epidemiology and about uh, the pandemic and, and how to, to navigate public health. I guess the kicker in all of it is is that she is a junior in high school. She is just 16 years old. Now, we didn't talk a lot about you know her, her young age because that's feel like as, as a young person who's achieved really great things, the last thing you want to do is just someone talk about, man, can't believe how young you are. Man, you've achieved a lot when you're young. You're like, well, you know, I'm I'm here. I'm, I'm doing my thing. So I, I never really want to, I guess, dwell on, on age. And, and we don't do that a ton. Um, but I'll tell you, it's it was just impressive to talk with her. I'm pretty sure, you know, it's, a, it's about a 30-minute chat. I'm pretty sure about 15 minutes in. Just hearing the the knowledge she has, you're gonna forget all about that she's you know so young and, and and just a junior in high school. You're you're gonna just really be impressed by her. Um, but yeah, her book. The the reason why I really wanted to to talk to her was um, it's written for for middle school students and uh, obviously a, a very serious topic in epidemiology and how viruses spread and things like that. Uh, but it's it's written at a level that middle school students can understand it. So I thought that was a really interesting thing. Um, you know, she, she's going to talk about it, but she's actually had her, her 11-year-old brother read it and make sure that he can understand all of it and give it the green light. So um, I, I think that you're going to learn a lot about, um, you know, a really impressive person that, that uh, I have no doubt we're going to hear from in the future. I think you're going to learn a lot about public health, actually. She's very insightful. Uh, when it comes to that and, and talking about um, you know, public health as a whole, um, the word epidemiology and what all that means, and also some, some tips about um, you know, the coronavirus. So without further ado, here is my interview with Stephanie Wang. I am here today with Stephanie Wang. Stephanie, how are you? Hi, Jackson. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for inviting me on. For sure. So... Uh, I mean, obviously, we're, we're going to talk about your book and some of these organizations that you're a part of. Uh, but first, let's just kind of go backwards and tell us just a little bit about yourself, you know, outside of all these amazing things, just who Stephanie is as a, as a I believe, junior in high school. Yeah, so I'm currently 16. I'm a junior in high school. Um, I live in Katy, Texas, which is in the suburbs of Houston. And I have been living here for my entire life. I was born in Lexington, Kentucky, and I also spent a brief amount of time in my childhood in China, where I um, learned a lot of important lessons from my grandparents, and then I moved here in Katy, and then I've been going here in school ever since, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to going to college and then getting a job and everything else that I'll do in the future, but for now, um, I've been doing a lot of things that I think are the most important to address, most important issues to address, especially during this kind of crazy time. And I think one of the main issues that I saw was this um, 
lack of focus on public health literacy. So that's what I've been focusing on a lot of my energy toward in these past few months. And beyond doing um, academic or, or advocacy things, I usually like to bake. That's very fun for me. And I also really enjoy science and doing uh, learning new math concepts. So those are some of my favorite things to do. Well, we're, I, I'm with you with the baking. Uh, that's, that sounds fun. Learning new math concepts, maybe not as much for me. Um, what, what kind of things do you bake? So I bake all sorts of things, um, bread, cookies, um, cakes, all of those sorts of things. But I think I haven't had as much time to do that since school but over the summer that's where i really got the hobby of doing that so yeah i got you well i know you didn't come on to talk about baking so (laughs) so let's just talk a little bit um obviously you know the the overarching thing is that you did write a book on uh, epidemiology tell us just a little bit about before we talk about the book what inspired you to to write a book in the first place of course so i when i was in seventh grade i joined a team on my school called the Science Olympiad team. And this is essentially a science competition where students can pursue science concepts that are rather niche and they have a lot of different concepts or topics that scientists or these students can pursue. And so for me, I started off looking everywhere, looking at all the different events that were offered and I started doing one called Disease Detectives. And that one very quickly became my favorite event It was on epidemiology, which is essentially the study of how diseases spread and how um, to control them and prevent them um, when outbreaks occur. So that was basically my favorite event, and I've been doing it since seventh grade. So about um, this is my fifth year doing that event. And so it has been very fun for me because I've competed in that event from the local level to the state level to the national level, all of those levels. And So I've been very um, alert to any sort of public health crisis that has been going on in these past few years, since I have been following epidemiology very closely through my knowledge I learned through that event. So when the outbreak hit um, or the pandemic hit our area and the rest of the country, I started seeing a lot of things that I thought should not be happening. So for example, there was a lot of misinformation online that I saw that I thought this was very harmful to the well-being of society. And then I also saw several, um, lots of people um, saying misleading things and acting irresponsibly in ways that could harm the population. And so I was thinking, well, this if you want to do something irresponsible, that could be on you, but it's not good. It's definitely not okay when it's in the situation of a pandemic where your actions can affect a lot of other people around you. So I started looking a lot into the root of this issue as to like why this was happening. And what I realized was that a lot of textbooks, especially public health textbooks, epidemiology textbooks, they're very, um, they're not very beginner friendly and they require a lot of knowledge or background information to be able to fully understand. And also I don't um, ever recall or any of my friends ever recall learning about this sort of concepts in school like such as infectious disease spread or um, different um, types of values like are not things like that. I feel like those are very important to understand, especially in the context of a pandemic. So that was not being taught enough in schools, I feel like, and not being emphasized enough in the pre-college realm. So I started to think of ways that I can help to solve this issue or to help at least alleviate it. And what I came up with was to write a book that is very 
beginner-friendly, introductory, fun to read, interactive, has lots of fun visuals that can make the experience very enjoyable for a reader. So that's how I got the idea to write a book. And since I already had background information on public health and epidemiology through my competition and disease detectives, that's basically how I got the idea to write the book. Yeah, yeah. So you you mentioned you know your the ideal of of, of why you you wrote it, um, but how exactly did you get the book off the ground? Because I'll tell you, I've interviewed a lot of different authors. Uh, a couple months ago, I interviewed someone who wrote his first book. You know, at, at seventy two years old. So you're kind of on the other end of the spectrum there. And obviously, it's not easy to to find someone who uh, I guess believes in you to, to to publish it. So how did uh, how did that come about? How did you get it off the ground? Definitely on a, a topic that is I guess so serious. You know, the the one thing I, I want to strive not to do in this interview is you know talk about your age, but obviously you are younger. Uh, so you know, when it comes to a, a very scientific thing, that's obviously already a very I guess, kind of closed off world. So I feel like it, it came with some hurdles, I, I would assume. Yeah, for sure. So I definitely was a little bit hesitant at first because I was thinking, oh my God, writing a book, that sounds like some serious business. <laughs> so that was, um, it was kind of difficult for me to, um, it was not, I wouldn't say it was difficult, but it was definitely something that I carefully considered. And so what I did was I, started writing at first because I knew I was going to do this. Once I had set my mind to it, I knew I was going to do this because I was thinking this is a very important, very urgent issue in society. And I am in the position where I can help to help to overcome this issue. So why not do it? So um, what I did was I basically sat down for about eight hours a day and just wrote like, like the entire day. And this was during quarantine when I didn't have that much work to do. I was out of school and my summer school hadn't started yet. So I was just writing and writing and writing every single day, um, very long time uh, every day. So that was how I got it. But I wouldn't consider this a chore at all because I remember writing and it was actually very fun for me to be writing this book because um, I wrote the book in a structure where it takes the reader through a hypothetical outbreak that I um, made up. So um, for example, the outbreak that I presented in the book is one of um, an infectious disease. And then I take the reader through the uh, steps of investigating the outbreak and then collecting data, analyzing data. To me, it was very fun to write this process. So it was great. Um, and then afterwards, I think that was where the hard part began, which was um, actually getting it published and then getting it recognized. So for me, I looked up and did a lot of research on the different publishing platforms. So there was obviously traditional publishing with a publisher, and then there was self-publishing where you essentially serve as your own publisher. And so I kind of weighed the strengths and weaknesses of each type, each one. And so eventually I um, ended up going with self-publishing because first of all, self-publishing is very timely. It's uh, traditional publishing can take many, many months, sometimes even years for an author to get their book out there. And for me, I did not want it to drag on that long because I wanted it to be out there um, for the public to read as soon as possible, since this was a timely situation. And so after doing that, I had to obviously get some um, approval from from people who were professionals and uh, professors and people like that. I actually did this before I published because I knew I wanted to get everything um, correct and factually uh, sound before publishing. So I reached out to several public health professionals and professors in my area and um, just asked them for their feedback and guidance. 
And a lot of them, or several of them, were actually willing to do that for me. And a few of them actually left me um, good reviews that I could put um, on my book. And so that could definitely help secure the public trust in my book. And that was, that definitely helped a lot because first of all, it um, gave me enough confidence that my, my book was good. And then um, it also gave readers confidence that they could be taking my word. Um, I recently was able to get my book into my, my county's li public libraries and also I was able to use the proceeds that I got from my book to donate a thousand masks to a local clinic that I volunteer at, that I have been volunteering at for a while. So okay. it's just great to be able to use um, the platform that I have generated from this book to give back and spread knowledge and awareness during these times that can be very rough for people. No, for sure. So your book is called uh, Epidemiology Unmasked. I know it's, it's over 100 pages and we don't want to give away too much because we want people to read it. Uh, but if you would tell us just a little bit, I guess, unmask epidemiology just a little bit for us, for people who have no idea what that, that word even is. Yeah, so for sure. So epidemic health, it's um, the study of how infectious diseases or just diseases are spread and how they and how they manifest in populations. And this is different from a subject like medicine, where it focuses on the individual patient. In epidemiology and in public health, the focus is really on population, on the population level, and how diseases really can change the a population and how they propagate through a population. So those are the topics that I really investigate. And I think that from my experience and as talking to my friends, the best way that students really learn is by uh, doing something, is by being able to apply something and not just memorize facts and data that, um, that can be somewhat boring for students. So I really wanted to take that innovative approach in my book in teaching this subject. And what I did was I basically, I sp split the book into five main chapters. The first one is where I discuss the background of infectious diseases and diseases as a whole and epidemiology as a subject and all these um, background knowledge concepts that are required for the reader to fully understand the rest of the book and the outbreak process. So then in the second chapter, I introduce them, to them the outbreak and the outbreak investigation and um, allow them to learn about how data is collected and how to basically um, gather data from the population and the disease to that to then proceed to chapter three, which was analyzing data. And this is where I present them various statistical methods, um, different studies that are used in analyzing diseases, and then eventually have them do their own, uh, this, do it for our own outbreak. And then for the chapter four, uh, which was basically where I wrap up the um, outbreak investigation, I teach them prevention measures and how to um, prevent outbreaks from going on, how to allow individuals to stay safe and things like that. And then the last chapter was a chapter that I did on COVID. And this was, um, this was basically there to just help readers go through, like help readers not be prone to the misinformation epidemic that we see online. And so I, I show them basically um, facts from the CDC website that I just condensed on in that chapter, such as the symptoms, how you can recognize COVID, um, ways that you can prevent uh, prevent it or help yourself stay safe and then what to do when you do get it and things like that just basic information that can be useful to people who are living through um, this pandemic yeah so so how do you see this book do you see it more of like a 
an academic textbook or an, an, a book that I guess people are going to pick up for casual reading or, or how do you, you, you see this book? Um, my original goal was to was for it to be something that people would willingly read and um, especially for younger students. And I think um, in order to prevent this sort of um, mass, uh, this sort of mass misinformation or this sort of irresponsibility that could occur in a future outbreak, I think the most important thing to do is to teach this information to our kids and our children and our teenagers, basically my demographic of students. And so because in the future, these are the people who are going to be really in charge. Mm -hmm. And that's why I presented it in a very interactive way rather than I'm giving you information kind of way. And mm -hmm. inside my book, there's actually lots of fun graphics and visuals and lots of um, text that uh, it has lots of colors in it. Just basically ways I made sure to emphasize ways that would make it visually attractive and appealing. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what is your, I guess, your ideal demographic? Is it, is it high school students? You say kids. So I just wonder exactly how young they can be. And, and, and also whether it's, I mean, just as valuable for, for adults who don't know too much about the topic. Yeah, for sure. So I would say my main uh, demographic would be middle school, early high school students that's probably the demographic that it would fit the best, but um, it can also help adults for sure. So I know that as I was talking to my parents or some other adults that I met um, during this process, they told me that it would also help adults for sure, um, especially when I was talking to um, journalists or public health professionals, they told me that it would be helpful for basically anyone who doesn't have much of a background in infectious diseases, since it does prevent, present the topic in a very understandable way. And also, um, there's a very interesting story as to um, how I actually helped or how I actually did the process of um, making the book as easy to read as possible. So I have a younger brother who is currently 11 and he's um, in sixth grade. And so I'm, I'm a little bit older, obviously. So I'm not sure, uh, I, did, I just wanted to make sure what the um, sort of intellectual uh, understanding of kids in his age group is, which is sort of, he sort of falls more into the target demographic. And so I just wanted to make sure that what I was presenting would be uh, receptible to them. So before I published, I actually gave my book to my brother and asked him to read it for me. And then he basically pointed out out parts that I feel like that he felt like I should elaborate on or simplify it down a little bit more just change the wording a little bit and things like that so he definitely helped me a lot in doing that as well and just bit with his feedback I was able to make sure that it was more understandable and more easy to read without compromising the ability that I was or compromising the information that I was presenting you must have a pretty good relationship. I feel like most 11 year old brothers, I don't know, unless you coaxed them with, with gifts that they're not going to read anything their sister wrote. So he was very willing to read it. He said, um, he said it was fun. And then he said he would ask his, he would tell his um, classmates to get it. So okay. that was kind of fun. Yeah. You've got a, a built in marketer right there for your demographic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. So obviously you've, you've touched on it a little bit and I know you're, you're the last chapter um, touches on it, but we, we've, we've kind of got a, a quite a big uh, topic right now in, in this world in public health. So tell us just a little bit, given, you know, that your, your background in public health, 
I guess your, your thoughts on COVID, how we have, I guess, reacted to it and, and maybe the, the issues um, with, with what, what, we've, what we've done or, or you know, the, the things that we've done right. I know you've already kind of mentioned that, you know, there's a lot of misinformation, um, which, which is a, a huge thing, but just kind of give us a, a little overview based on your experience in, in public health. Yeah. Okay. So um, I think, I think the response obviously differs, but I would say for the most part, I, I really commend the efforts that Americans and the people in my community have been taking to, um, to help prevent the spread of COVID. And I know that we're all definitely trying our best. Um, and so recently in my school, we actually had um, sort of like an outbreak, but immediately after that, we were able to get, get back into school and make sure it was under control. So I really commend all the efforts by, uh, made by those in my community and those in the rest of the country. So I also am really excited or very happy by the fact that we have a vaccine that's um, almost, that's pretty much that, that happened in very fast time. But on the other hand, I, do, I will say that it is um, somewhat troubling to see misinformation online and to see that some people are not very receptive to public health measures that are uh, proposed by public health professionals. And I think, as I was saying earlier, I think the way to combat this starts with today's youth, which is to give them the correct information and to give them the baseline to establish uh, their decision-making in the future. So I think something that needs to be done or something that I'm trying to get done is for that to be information to be more accessible in schools because I think in schools currently, we don't have much of an emphasis on this subject at all, especially in my school. We don't even have, um, as I was talking to my biology teacher and some teachers in my school, we don't really have this sort of information that is presented to students, even in health or biology related classes. So what I've been doing is I have been trying to, I have been trying to implement a public health program or public health curriculum for certain classes in my school. And I have the curriculum ready and I believe it will be implemented in as like a test curriculum uh, for March or April later on next year um, when teachers don't have to deal with as much um, when like all the testing is over and things. So they can uh, just give, present this information to students. And so I have um, something to go off of to see whether or not this class would be a success and whether this curriculum would be a success. And from there on, I hope to try to implement this in, um, in a broad, more broad scheme, for example, in my district or potentially the state or even, even beyond that. So that's something that I have also been working on, which is to universalize this education starting from school, which is basically the foundation of all education. Yeah, what, what grade level is the curriculum that you're developing? I feel like if you're developing the curriculum for your same grade level, you might, you might ace those tests. <laughs> um, I'm actually developing it for freshman biology. That's a class that's taught in, um, in our school. It's like sort of an honors biology course. And after they take their STAR test, which is like a standardized test here in Texas, um, teachers, they, can, I, they will be able to implement this curriculum inside their classrooms. So that's the grade level that I'm targeting. Definitely not my grade because, yeah, of course, that would be somewhat weird, but yeah. Yeah, maybe a bit of a conflict of interest. But yeah, so, so also, you, you know, we've, we've touched on, you know, you, you've mentioned the misinformation within 
um, you know, our, our response to COVID-19. But if you would just kind of give us just a, a few examples of, of misinformation that's out there. So I remember when I was doing research for the book, I saw um, a newspaper or some editorial online that said over half of Americans have seen at least somewhat some sort of misinformation. Um, mm. And this was back in June. So I think that number probably is much higher now. Oh, But sure. that just shows that just shows the extent of um, how the online realm can really exacerbate information disparities. And I think um, beyond that, we, from what we've seen is a lot of um, times where some news or media sources can take advantage of the vulnerable population during this time to spread information that may not be safe or verified. And I think that's very harmful to the fabric or the, uh, of society because we depend on staying safe from a lot of the times we get our information from online because Mm. nowadays that's what's most accessible to the majority of Americans. And I think if we don't have um, universal uh, good information that's being spread and sometimes we can be misled easily, that would be very harmful. Because um, for now, if we have no sort of basis, which, was, which is a lot of Americans, a lot of Americans don't have a basis to build up their decision-making for COVID-19 related things. And I think that is majority based on the lack of education that we, ever, that we get in public health. And so I think this big number, which is half of Americans, possibly more now, that would definitely be able to be curbed now, um, if not uh, curbed by a lot, if we did have, give Americans the sort of baseline to make their decisions. If we have, if they, we all understand that there are some things that are just absolutely ridiculous when it comes to um, potential information that can be spread. So that can definitely help a lot and help prevent a lot of uh, frustration or prevent a lot of um, unsafe procedures that will be done. One of the good things for you, if we can grab anything good out of this whole experience, is if you know public health and epidemiology is something that you're interested in and are going to continue. I can't imagine that, uh, that at this point that people don't know a little bit about uh, you know the topic of public health, given that it's kind of in our daily life. So it's definitely probably a field that's just going to to grow. So definitely probably a, a good thing to to get involved in. So to tell us just a little bit about um, Kid Teach Kid and and the organization that she started there. Yeah, of course. So Kid Teach Kid was originally um, just a class that we started. It was we later adopted the whole umbrella organization. But in the very beginning stages of the outbreak, or um, when the pandemic first hit us, uh, a lot of students or most students had to go home and do online learning. And from there, we noticed that a lot of the normal extracurricular classes, such as extracurricular math classes, were canceled. And so students were not able to pursue these extracurricular math classes. Um, so I, um, I've been very interested in math since I was very young. And I, I went to a math competition when I was in seventh grade. And so basically, it was a statewide math competition where um, the four top scoring students would be from the state of Texas would be taken to Hong Kong to participate in an international math contest. So I uh, participated in that and I was um, also selected to go to Hong Kong and that was where I met my team. My team um, consisted of four people total, including me, and we 
became really, really good friends through that experience because we were all, we all really loved math and we all loved um, competing and we all loved uh, talking to each other about math and that just really bonded us all together. And so even after that experience, this was in seventh grade, so now, even now, we're still very good friends. Um, so we decided that, hey, look, we are very, uh, we're experienced in math and we have the ability to teach these students. So why don't we do that? And what we did was we established a six week math course. Um, so each one of us taught one of the major subjects in math. And we basically uh, asked students from around our area, around the state, and we even got students from different states to come to our, um, or attend our virtual math classes. So we held six of them, so for six weeks. And at the end, we were actually able to hold a fundraiser with um, a special session that we held on helping students develop their good test taking strategies and things like that. And we were also able to donate several hundred masks to our local Memorial Hermann Hospital. And so after this was a, was a big success for us, we decided, well, why restrict it to math? Because some students are not that interested in math. They may have different interests such as um, biology or physics or even um, things like writing or world history. So we decided that we wanted to take students from all different um, expertise, the fields of expertise, and we formed this summer program that I was referring to earlier where I taught um, the subjects of public health and biology. And so that was definitely where our, the whole Kid Teach Kid really ca uh, caught the attention of students from across the country. And by now we have about 1,400 something students who have taken our classes and are enrolled in the program. So I'm really grateful for the ability that, um, for the uh, help that we've been able to provide to students during this time, because we know that over the summer, some students were definitely frustrated with the lack of educational opportunities. And being able to provide that for students is definitely a great feeling. So is that something that you're, you're hoping to, to continue to grow as well? Obviously, you've, you've only got so much time. I know you're doing a lot of things. So that's something that you're still focused on? Yeah. So we have been, even after the summer, we've been doing a lot of other initiatives. Um, for example, we held a hackathon for middle school students a few months uh, few months ago and that was also a pretty big success and we're still planning a lot of fun um, STEM related or non-STEM related but we're, our, our organization is mostly STEM related. We're planning a lot of STEM related initiatives for our students um, that are coming up. We are planning to launch a tutoring platform where um, students can sign up to be tutors and then they can help students with their homework and things like that and so yeah that's definitely an, an organization that I would love to help grow and help um, spread the message. Yeah, very good. Now that's that's awesome. So you, we've kind of mentioned uh, you know, your your family a little bit, but you know, obviously, when people are doing awesome things, it normally means that they have a really good support system and a, a solid upbringing. So if you would just tell us a little bit more about uh, you know that that upbringing and your family. Yeah, of course. So my parents have always been extremely supportive for everything that I've been doing. So. When I first approached them with the idea of writing the book, they were like, wow, really, you're going to do this? But of course, they were totally on board, and they definitely helped me, um, even along the way, whether that be like emotional support or helping me read through some things. But yeah, um, I, from a very young age, my parents have always very strictly emphasized education, because I think education um, has been and always will be one of the most important things that anyone can ever receive. 
And so from, since I was very um, accustomed to uh, very to taking my education very seriously, I think from then on that's shaped who I am and my interests and what I uh, what I think within the very various initiatives that I've been doing. And so, for example, when I was in seventh grade, I actually was not planning on joining Science Olympiad. Um, there was a whole tryout process and an interview process. It was very long. I didn't want to do it. But my mom was like, you should definitely try this. I think you'll love it. And so I did. I tried it. And when I got in, I think that was the single most impactful thing that I've ever done was joining Science Olympiad. Because from then on, I really discovered pretty much my passion, which is any sort of biology related or math, uh, just math STEM biology related um, concept or fields. So I would say my parents have definitely been very, very supportive and very, very helpful for me throughout my entire life. And they always will continue to do so. And my brother also, he's, he's very, he's still young, but I also try to encourage him to pursue any sort of um, field, especially when you're young. I think that's the time for exploration to find out what really makes you extremely happy and what keeps you up at night, essentially. I think that's, I really encourage him to do that. It doesn't have to be, he can be very different from me. I don't uh, really care what he really likes to do as long as he finds something that he enjoys doing. So yeah, yeah. my parents and my brother, I would say they are very, very uh, important to everything that I've been doing and they will always continue to be. Yeah, no, the, what you said, I, which it makes me, I guess, happy to hear, you know, you talk about your parents being supportive and encouraging you to, you know, to achieve great things, which you, you certainly have. Um, but, you know, I've talked to quite a few people, kind of young, young minds, because I, I work in higher education. So I, I've talked to a lot of young minds who they have parents that they're supportive, but sometimes that means in a way of, of pushing and pushing and pushing, where sometimes it just burns people out. So I like to hear that, that maybe, you know, that that's not happening with you, you're just getting supported and not pushed. So that, that's a really, really great thing to hear. So tell us just a little bit about what, what your future holds. Obviously, you've achieved a lot, you've talked about wanting to go to college. Um, you know, what, what, what does that look like? Yeah, so I, um, I'm not entirely sure as to what I want to do in the future. There's a lot of different career fields or paths that I could take related to biology or STEM or anything that I'm really interested in, um, frankly. So I'm not entirely sure what I would like to do, but I know something that I will be continuing to do is this push for public health literacy and public health education and making sure we teach our young students about the importance of epidemiology and public health and staying safe and being um, making informed, independent decisions that may not that are not swayed by noise outside. So that's something that I think I will be continuing to do, no matter what sort of career field I take, because um, that that's something that can be done in a variety of different ways. Whether that be speaking to young students, um, helping them learn uh, basic concepts, or helping them find resources, uh, trustworthy online educational resources, things like that. So yeah, I think that's one of that's one of the two main. Well, I would say that's one of the two main things that I have been working on since I was very young. The number one was number one was just learning more about STEM and science and math, and number two is just um, advocating for more accessible education, especially um, education that is not well emphasized in traditional sense. So those are the main things that I've been doing, and I think the latter is a lot more. Um, important as well. So yeah. 
Very good. Awesome. So how, how can we find this book and how can we connect more with, with you? Should, should people be interested? So um, my book is available on lulu.com. It's a self-publishing website that I used and it's also available on Amazon. And the ebook is available on Lulu. It's also available on Google Play and Google Books. So those are the main, uh, those are the ways that you can get it. And if in my area, uh, you can get it from the Portland County Libraries. So that's uh, ways that you can get my book. And of course, you can also, I would be willing to talk to anyone um, who's listening at all. So my socials, my social media probably will be provided as well. So you can definitely reach out to me anytime. Well, I tell you, it's been a, a pleasure speaking with you. I really appreciate your time. You're obviously, you, you've achieved a lot already and it's kind of just getting started. So we, I think everyone looks forward to, to seeing where you, where you are. And I think, uh, I, I don't think this is the last we'll, we'll hear from you. You sound like you're going to be doing some great things. Thank you so much, Jackson. Thank you so much for letting me speak and giving me the opportunity to chat with you today. And that was my interview with Stephanie Wang. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned a lot. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure you came away just like me, impressed uh, just by her knowledge, whether she's 16 or 61. I, I think uh, we can learn a lot um, from her about epidemiology. Hope you check out the book. Um, she, you know, she mentioned that it's it's kind of geared towards middle school students, um, but I don't know a, a, a ton about you know, public health as a whole. So I, I would absolutely uh, be interested in, in picking it up and, and learning more about it um, in a, a level that's, that's easy to understand for, for everyone. So whether it's you that just wants to hear more or, or whether you think, hey, you know, this would be a, a good thing for, you know, my, my son or daughter um, who's, you know, a middle school student to, uh, to hear, I, I urge you to, to check it out and, uh, you know, I, I look forward to, uh, you know, seeing what, what Stephanie does. Um, no doubt that uh, we'll hear, hear from her and uh, she's going to do great things. So thanks so much for being here this week. Thanks for listening. Hope to see you next time and take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think or, hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.